morning. I don't know about you guys, but I've been getting alerts on my phone and my iPad over the last few days about all this snow that's supposed to be coming. So I'm glad to look outside and wake up this morning. And so maybe a couple of flurries, and that's about it, because I don't know about you all, but I'm done with that stuff. I want it to be gone. <laughs> I don't want to see it ever again. So thank God it's, it's gone and it, and it hasn't come, and there's no ice or anything um, like that. I know I'm not a, I haven't been in the Pacific Northwest that long. I'm not a lifelong, you know, Pacific Northwesterner, if that's a, you know, the, the correct term. But even I've noticed the weather <laughs> lately has been has been kind of strange ar- around here. So I'm glad to see that we've got we had a little bit of sunshine this morning, but hopefully the temperatures start to start to warm up, and we know the Lord could definitely uh, warm us up. Amen. Um, let's go ahead and jump right in. Let's turn to Judges chapter six. Judges chapter 6. And while you're turning in there to to that scripture, we're going to talk today about dealing with disappointment. Uh, Many times in in, in our lives when we think about disappointment, we think of because the outcome that we're looking for hasn't actually happened. But there's times when we can actually be disappointed in something before we even actually get started, get started on the process. So we're going to talk about dealing with disappointment. So Judges chapter 6, and we're going to start in verse 11. And I'll uh, wait for everyone to get there. Judges chapter 6, verse 11. We're talking about dealing with disappointment. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree, which was in Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the uh, Abizorite, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the, wild, in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Gideon said to him, O oh my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his miracles which our fathers told us about, saying, Did not the Lord bring, up, bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and de- delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? So he said to him, O my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am am the least in my father's house. In verse 13 there, I want you to highlight and underline the whole thing, and in your margin, if you've got some space, write the word doubt. When God is sending you on a journey, and he's telling you, this is what I'm going to do, and this is what I've done in the past, many times we can start that disappointment process by thinking that we're not prepared for whatever it is that God is sending us on, whatever journey that is. Gideon heard about everything that the Israelites has gone through. He knows exactly how God has set uh, set the Israelites free. But here he is questioning God. Of all people, he's questioning God about whether or not, you know, how, how is it that that Israelites, you know, as, as, as Israel, how is it that we're supposed to be victorious when I've heard all these things about how we were delivered out of the hands of Pharaoh, and yet still you're telling me to go forward, but I'm in the least of my father's house, and I have the weakest, the weakest clan. So what I would say to you is when God is preparing you on a journey, what are you actually, what's the conversation you're having with him? Are you saying that, Lord, I don't have the bank account to go purchase that vehicle, even though my vehicle is not starting right now? Is he telling, is, are you saying to him, Lord, I don't have the bank account to go 
go purchase that house, even though my house is overflowing with people. You know, you get new additions to the family and et cetera like that. You know, house, houses tend to, you know, shrink, it seems like, you know, as, as the family grows. I don't have the bank account to do this. I don't have the skill set to go take on this new job, even though it's something that I want to do and I feel like, Lord, you're opening up the doors. I don't have the skill. I don't have the schooling. I don't have this. I don't have that. I don't have this. So are you actually saying that to God or are you willing to actually say, you know what? You're sending me on the, on the journey, so I'm just going to go ahead and, and move forward. So picking up again in verse 15. So he said to him, O oh my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my, in, in my father's house. In my, in my father's house. If you have room in your margin, I also want you to write on, for verse 15, doubt and no self-esteem. Okay? When God calls us to do a work... He is looking for someone that's going to, or he's looking for us to obey his every command. He's not looking for whether or not you've had the skill in the past. He's not looking for whether or not you've even faced the situation in the past. What he's looking for is someone that's just willing to say, all right, Lord, if you tell me to take 10 steps to the right, and there's a wall right there that I'm getting ready to walk into, I'm just going to take those 10 steps into the right. No questions asked. I'm just going to go ahead and do it. He's not looking for someone that's going to sit there and say, all right, so I went to school and I learned that, you know, you can't walk through walls. Walls are solid matter, and I'm a physical, I'm in a physical body, so I can't actually walk through that wall. So, yeah, instead of walking ten steps, I'm going to only walk seven or eight steps. No, that's not what God is looking for, look, looking for when he's calling us to do something. The problem with us is, as, especially as adults, when you look at a, a child and you tell the child to do something, usually, you know, they do it. Of course, they get to those, you know, ages where they're going to challenge, challenge you as a, as, as a parent, but, you know, that, that's, that, that's just how it is raising kids. But for the most part, they're just going to do, do, do what they're told without even asking. So for us as, as children of God, that's why we're called children of God, is we have to be able to say, okay, no questions asked. I'm just going to go ahead and do it. All right. Not going to try to figure it out. I'm not going to think about, you know, I'm an adult now and I can think more concretely so I can start reasoning why, you know, God is t- sending me on a path and why it's not going to work because I can't see um, what's actually what's actually coming. I remember one time I was on a uh, taking a flight out to, to, to Disney, uh, out to Orlando, leaving Portland and had a layover in St. Louis. And as we're coming into St. Louis, there's this huge storm and the plane is just bouncing all the way during the entire descent. And the kids are in there, you hear like, wee, yeah, this is fun and, and everything like that. And I'm sitting there in the aisle and I'm strapped in pretty tight and we hit a, a pretty big bump, and I'm laying out the laying, laying out in the aisle. I was like, "Oh my gosh, what is going on here?" You know, so I said a quick prayer. The kids like, "Yeah, do it again, do it again." And I'm looking at these kids, and I just want to say, "Will you be quiet? Do you know what's going on right now?" You know. And so you you, you think about that as, as us as we get older and we start to to increase our our education and our physical mind, we can sit in that airplane and realize, "Yeah, you may think this is fun, but with ten thousand feet, few hundred miles an hour, we're going on a descent. The plane is." bouncing yeah this is not a roller coaster ride you know this is not a control this is not a controlled environment this is not part of the the ride if you will um but for those for those kids they couldn't couldn't grasp in their mind all right ten thousand feet a few hundred miles an hour if the thing goes down you know that's that that's the end of life so to speak you know they're not thinking about that but the adults are sitting in there and they're, and they're panicking i remember looking at a, a lady in the aisle that was sitting next to me um and her face is, is just tearing up because she she's afraid and everything you know but the kids are just like hey yeah let's do it again 
like, yeah, you know, the students got on there and they tried to make light of it by saying, you know, Disney has nothing on this airline and, and those type of things. And I said, that didn't help, you know, it kind of in my mind. So, so what God is looking for in us is for us to just blindly obey him. That's what faith is all about. It's just not seeing what's coming up next, but knowing that if God is saying, hey, walk through this door, that you just need to walk through the door. Whatever's on the other side of it, if you bring him with you, you'll be okay. Now, if you leave him on the outside of the door, then you've got some other challenges there. But you've just got to be able to, 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 to say, yes, I'm going to go ahead and move forward. Um, so verse 15 again. So he said to him, oh, my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least of my father's house. And the Lord said to him, surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. Then he said to him, if now I have found favor in your sight, then show me a sign. It is you who talk, who talk with me. Do not depart from here, I pray, until I come to you and bring out my offering and set it before you. And he said, I will wait until you come back. Verse 19. So Gideon went and prepared a young goat and unleavened bread from the uh, ephah of flour and the meat in, the ba- in a basket. And he put the broth in a pot and he brought them out, un- out to him under the terebinth tree and presented them. And the angel of the Lord said to him, Take the meat and the unleavened bread and lay them on this rock and pour out the broth. And he did so. Then the angel of the Lord pour, put out the end, of the, the end of the staff that was in his hand and touched the meat and the unleavened bread. And fire rose out of the rock and consumed the meat and the unleavened bread. And the angel of the Lord departed out of his sight. Now Gideon perceived that he was the angel of the Lord. So Gideon said, Alas, Lord God. For I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. Then the Lord said to him, Peace be with you. Underline this. Peace be with you. Do not fear. You shall not die. Okay? So a lot of stuff is happening within those, in, in those scriptures there. In verse 16, you, said, you see there that the Lord told Gideon, he said, Surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. So again, God is not going to send you on a journey. If he's not going to prepare you for it or if he's not going to remove whatever obstacles that are in your way. So he's saying that if I'm telling you, if God is saying to you, go through that door, just go through it. Because whatever is over there, God already knows about it. But in order for him to work, he has to be able, you have to by an act of your will, follow his every, his every command. Okay. Um, elsewhere, elsewhere in scripture, uh, the Bible talks about testing the spirits. Okay. Um, and asking God for signs and um, to make sure that it's him and, and looking for that confirmation. One of the most powerful things that you can do is if you feel like God is sending you somewhere, is ask him, Lord, give me some confirmation that this is what you want me to do. Um, I could come up with, keep you guys here all day, <laughs> um, if I came up with, with various situations where I, I prayed and asked Lord, I said, Lord, give me some, some confirmation that, that, that this is you. And he'll send it either through somebody else, um, TV commercial even one time. I heard something on the TV commercial that, that there was one part of it that stuck, stuck with me. Um, talking with people at work that don't know me from, from Adam, <laughs> so to speak, um, have said some things just randomly out of the blue. And as I'm listening and I go back to my office, I say, okay, I think you're telling me something. All right, I'm going to go ahead and, and follow that. There's also times when the Lord may go silent. Okay, And so in, in those situations, being able to say, Lord, I, I feel like this is what you want me to do. So the first step that I'm going to do is I'm going to do this. 
and you wait, you wait, you wait, and God doesn't answer. And usually that's a sign that, yes, go ahead and do it, and I will let you know when it's time for you to deviate from that. Um, you've heard Pastor talk many times when we first opened up Genesis 1 about just walking into a real estate office and just saying, I need a church building, <laughs> you know, and, and, and kind of the strange look. People are, okay, you know, give me a little bit more than that. But it's just by an act of faith that just taking that first step um, is, is, is pretty key. And then knowing that no matter what, God is going to be, is God is going to be with you, okay? Um, in verse 20, let's jump down to verse 23 there. And then the Lord said to him, peace be with you. Do not fear. You shall not die. For some reason, it's hard for us to really wrap our heads around how, how powerful God is. If God is telling you to have peace, don't fear, nothing's going to happen to you. Why do we do that? Okay. If God can create everything that's been in existence, if he can tell Moses and just say, all right, yeah, when you go to Pharaoh, you just tell him I am sent you. Who has that kind of, who can speak to that kind of authority? Nobody. If you, if you really, really think about it, two words is what God told Moses. He just said, I am sent you. That's it. I mean, that, that's to me, to me, if I heard that, I'd be like, okay. That's it. I don't need to hear anymore. I'm walking. I'm and I'm going on, and I'm not asking any any, any more questions there, um, because God is all powerful, and He's saying, "Peace be with you. Do not fear." So when you're thinking about again dealing with disappointment, if you're thinking too much about situations, and if you're not really trusting God, you can set, set yourself up for failure, or set yourself up for being disappointed, and you haven't even done anything yet. The outcome of whatever it is you're going through hasn't hasn't come to pass in the physical realm, but yet and still you're going to sit there and say, "Yep, I'm going to be a failure." This is not going to happen. I don't have this. I don't have that. I wish I had this. I wish I had that. You're going to do all of that. And next thing you know, you're going to be living in disappointment, which then could chain you to the fact that you're not going to actually make any progress whatsoever because you're so afraid of, I'm going to be disappointed by this. I'm not going to be successful. This is not going to work out the way that it should be. So now you get into that freeze mode and you don't do, you don't do anything at all. Okay. Um, let's turn to Romans 15. Romans 15. Romans 15, and we're going to start in in verse 1. And now we're going to look at how do we actually, now that we know that we can get some disappointment set in before we actually do anything, what are some things that we can actually do to start getting, to start, uh, start dealing with that? Uh, faith, we know, is, is one of those things that will help you deal with any kind of challenge that you have going on. But it's not as simple as just saying, okay, I have faith. It's, it's not as simple as being able to just to, to say it. You actually have to do it. You actually have to, have to, have to practice it. Uh, when, you became, when you became saved, yeah, you made the confession and you, and you def- decided to follow Christ. But it, that's not enough just to say that I'm actually a Christian because you can say it and say, yeah, I'm saved and I'm a Christian and I believe in God. But your lifestyle could be the, the, the complete opposite of that. So it's not just enough at times to just to be able to say it. You've got to actually do something um, with what you're saying. So let's, t- again, Romans 15, verse one we then who are strong ought to bear the the scruples of the weak and not to please ourselves let each of us please his neighbor for his uh, for his good leading to edification for even christ did not please himself but as as it is written the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me 
For whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that we through the patience of uh, through through the patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Now may the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded toward one another, according to Christ Jesus, that you may be, that you may with one mind and one mouth glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus of our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay. So what this is saying here is that we need to help each other bear each other's burdens. We need to be there to, to, to help pray for each other. Scripture also says, uh, forsake not the gathering together of yourselves. That's one of the reasons why you come to church. Every single one of us here have all been through various types of trials and tribulations. And whether it's been the same exact type of situation, each one of us here can relate. And we're all here to be able to pray for each other, to be able to share what's, what's going on with each other. Because we know that we're not going to get in a mode of being judgmental and saying, oh, well, you know what? They did this. Well, here's what you can do to get back at them and then start having you go out and start, you know, causing some or causing all sorts of other issues. Because now you're listening to advice of not not of a godly person, but you're listening to what the world would want you to do. OK, so the reason why we all come here is to, to be able to learn. And, and there you see in verse four, for whatever things were written before were written for our learning that we through the patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. So whatever it is that you're that you're going through, there's hope. Okay, you will be able to get through it if you're if you're able to focus on God, if you're being careful with who you surround yourself as well. Okay, it's very, very critical that anything that you're going through, whoever you're sharing it with, that you are really, really sure that that person is going to pray for you, that that person is um, to, 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 to some extent equally yoked, if you will, in terms of their in terms of their walk with Christ, because there are so many people that when you share with them, they'll look at you. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. Yeah. And then behind your back is saying, oh, my gosh, I hope they fail miserably. I can't stand that person. They said this to me 10, 15, 20 years ago, and I've just been itching to get back at them. And now that this is happening to them, I hope that they don't I hope that they don't make it okay um, the family members especially also watch out for because some of them may say things to you having you think that they have your best interest their your best interest at heart when they really 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 don't okay um, I've got some some family members there and my wife does too that we just don't share things with because we know that if we share it with them it's gonna go to oh well sorry that's that's too bad they're not gonna actually pray I've got some friends in in um, other um, other agencies that, that that I've worked with over the years that'll send out a group text messages to some of us and say to my prayer warriors please please lift me up because here's what we have going on and even then there's some people in there that you know through through individual conversations there's some people in there that that still just aren't on that same page of being able to actually pray so you've got to be really 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 careful um, before you share anything you may even just pause for a second and just pray and say Lord I feel like this conversation is going this way which means I may share Share this. Should I actually share with them, or should I, or should I not? And the Lord will tell you real quickly not to. There's been plenty of times when I've sat in meetings and there's something I'm like, oh, I just want to say this, and I can feel in my spirit, don't say it, don't say it, don't say it, don't say it. Amen. And then I find out two, three, four months later, I'm glad I didn't say it because if I would have said it, here's what would have happened, or that person was out to to, to to try to get me caught up in a trap or something like that. So you really, really, really got to be careful about who it is that you're that you're surrounding yourselves with. Okay. Uh, let's continue on here in uh, verse 7. Uh, Therefore, receive one another just as Christ also received us to the glory of God. I'm going to pause there for a second. I feel like I, I need to say something about that one. Um, everyone has various 
things going on in their lives. Okay, it's not our jobs as Christians to um, talk negatively about them. It's not our job to badmouth them. It's not our job to look at them and turn them away. Okay, um, I remember having a conversation with someone. And they said, this was a Christian, and they said that their pastor in front of the congregation even said something to the effect of, you know, no, you, you can't come to this church unless you, unless you live a certain lifestyle, okay? And when I thought of that, I said, well, Jesus said, come as you are. And if you think about that, you know, take, you know, take the spiritual side out of it for a second and, th- and think from a common sense perspective. If you tell somebody you've got to live a certain lifestyle before you can come to church and actually learn about God, how are they going to know what kind of lifestyle change that they have to make if they can't actually step foot in the church and actually learn about God? Amen. Doesn't make sense. It contradicts. It contradicts itself. So we may, we have to make sure that regardless of whatever it is that somebody might be sharing with us, there's a reason why that that's happening. And the and the and the, the, the at the least what we can do is we can pray for them. So don't sit there and start looking at us and say, Oh my gosh, I can't believe you got this going on. And yeah, you know, oh look at the time. Yeah, I gotta go. You know, so yeah, I'll, I'll see you later. No, you're that person is in your path for a reason and you never know why they might be there and scripture is even even says be careful of, of entertaining strangers because you might inadvertently be entertaining an angel um, so you never know when somebody's in your path why why God is has put them in there amen uh, verse 8 now I say that Jesus Christ has become a servant to the circumcision for the truth of God to confirm the promises made to the fathers and that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy as, as it is written for this reason I will confess you I will confess to you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. And again, he says, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Lord him, all you peoples. And again, Isaiah says, there shall be a root of Jesse, and he who shall rise to reign over the Gentiles, in him the Gentiles shall hope. So again, anybody that's living a lifestyle contradictory to the word of God, they have an opportunity, okay? And that opportunity may very well be when they come and talk to you, okay? So don't sit there and, and, and again, turn them away or, or start treating them differently just because, you know, they've got some challenges. Because remember, at one point, you were just like them. At one point, you were in that situation where you had to go to a child of God and share something. And that person prayed for you and they lifted you up in prayer. You came to church and you were able to get, you were able to get through it, okay? You were able to be, to be delivered from it. Verse 13. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy, with all joy and peace in believing, that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. In verse 13, underline God of hope and underline joy and peace in believing. Okay? So when we talk about dealing with disappointment and setting, up yourself, setting yourself up for failure and being disappointed before you ever do anything, you've got to remember, God is hope and God will give you joy and peace. But you have to believe. Okay? It's not enough for just to say again, I'm going to have faith and I'm going to believe. In your heart, you have to actually believe. When things seem like you don't know what's happening around you, your world is spinning, everything seems to, go, it seems to be going wrong, have peace. If you believe, God will give you joy and peace that while things seem hectic, I've got this all under control. Don't worry about it. I got it all under control. I'm t- I'll take care of you. Don't worry. You just don't know what's happening halfway around the world, which is why it seems like your world is spinning around. Once I deal with that, then it's going to come to pass in your life in, in, the, in the physical realm. Okay? And you got to remember, too, God is dealing with people, and as people, we have free will. So whatever situation you might be facing, 
you don't know how many people are attached to that situation that God is just waiting for them by an act of their free will to do what it is that he needs them to do. So if you keep that in the back of your mind, then you realize that, okay, I see why it may, things may take a long time. Um, the angel was the angel that, that, that told uh, Daniel, you know, I, the Lord heard you. All right? But it took me 21 days, dealing, and I'm paraphrasing obviously, um, but it took me 21 days um, battling with the prince of Persia until the, the, until my, the archangel Michael came and helped me. So 21 days, okay, that's how long it took for something to be delivered to Daniel. So don't think that your situation that you're in, while it may seem bleak, uh, that you can't be delivered, that you can't be delivered from it. Let's go to staying in Romans here. Let's go to chapter 16. Chapter 16, and we're going to go to verse 17. So Romans 16, 17. Now I urge you, brethren, note those who cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you've learned, and avoid them. For those who are such do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, and by smooth words and flattering speech deceive the hearts of the simple. For your obedience has become known to all. Therefore I am glad on your behalf, but I want you to be wise in in what is good and simple concerning evil. Verse 20, and the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. So again, being very, very careful about who, who you surround yourself with. Okay. Um, you know, there's, I'm real careful about who I let in my quote unquote inner circle, <laughs> you know, so, so, so to speak. And I know, I know a lot of people, but there's not a lot of people that I would actually consider an actual friend. Um, because while we may have a good time when we talk, I know that when it comes down to some deep things and I want to be able to bounce ideas off of them, probably not the best person to do that. And they'll come back with smooth words, um, and, and, and say some things that I know I shouldn't do. And I don't want to be around that when I have challenges going on because I don't want to be tempted to actually take their advice and then put myself in a, in a worse off situation I've made those mistakes and I've done them before and I can tell you it's a lot easier when you let God guide you than it is when you let a human being try to try, try to tell you what to do okay and, and I can't emphasize that enough because in a world where everything is on Facebook and Twitter and you can I mean you can, you can find out what's going on in the world by just going on Google in 10 minutes and you could probably get understand what's happening in every country just just about you know so with this this whole with all of the technology that keeps everybody connected, I mean, it, it's it's incredible. We were just talking about some of the logarithms that some of those, uh, you know, sites like Facebook use to where you'll get something that pops up and says, here's people you may know. And even though you didn't put any too much personal information in there about where you've worked in the past, all of a sudden you're seeing this list of people. And it's like, oh, my gosh, I haven't seen you in I don't know how long. I had a friend from middle school. I haven't seen him since sixth grade, actually. Pop up, hey, here's a, here's a friend of yours. I'm like, oh, are you kidding me? So you think about how quick it is to get connected and if you're spending a lot of times on those sites and if you look at some of those comments on there and if you're not careful I mean th- there's some things out there that just 
Yeah, we'll just leave. I can just leave it at that. And you've got to be so you've got to be really, really careful um, with that because the way some of some of folks even talk on on Facebook, I mean, you, you can you can mess around and look at some of that and really start believing it. Okay, and there's people on there that are say that they're Christians and they're throwing out scripture and then they, and then they'll put their interpretation on it and you look at that and you say, wait a minute, where did you get that from? Okay, because that's that's not what that says at all. You know, I, I've been talking with God about that and that's not at all with, with that what that says. But they'll take the scripture and they'll twist it in a way to suit their needs okay and you cannot do that right god's standards are up here we don't lower his standards to meet our needs we need to raise the bar and make sure that we're we're trying to meet his standards and that's where earlier when i was saying that you can say that you're a christian but your lifestyle will say completely completely differently okay you can't say that i'm going to believe in 50 percent of the bible because i agree with that you know as a, as a you know on a personal level i agree with that but this other 50 percent i don't agree with that because that means that I'm going to have to change a lot about what I'm doing. So therefore, that's not that's not true. Or I'm going to flip it and say, well, what God really means is that's not that's not how it works. And so if you want to take a chance on doing that, wow, you, you might be for a rude awakening when you're standing before him on judgment day. And he tells you go left instead of right. So <laughs> you might want to be really careful with that. So, again, you got to be really, really careful about how um, about who it is that you're surrounding yourself with, what you're sharing with those folks um, and make sure that you're surrounding yourself with with good good godly people um, and it's not to say that you know you're not going to have friends that are that that are in the world but like Jesus said while you might be of the world while you might be in the world you're not of the world okay so you just got to got to keep that in mind amen um, so let's turn here and winding down let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 14 So we've, we've talked a little bit about the importance of having faith in, in terms of being able to deal with disappointment. We've talked a little bit about making sure that when God calls you to do something that you actually just go ahead and, and, and you do it. Um, we talked about spending quite a bit of time actually talking about making sure you're surrounding yourself um, with, 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 with the right people. Um, and now we're actually going to talk a little bit about, uh, about speaking in tongues and how that can actually help you avoid being disappointed, being disappointed in, in something that hasn't even happened yet. So uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1. Pursue love and desire, and desire spiritual gifts, be, uh, but especially that you may prophesy. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God, for no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. But he who prophesies speaks edification and and uh, exhortation and comfort to men. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. So I'm going to talk a little bit there, mainly around uh, verses, verses 1 and 2 and tongues, okay? So speaking in tongues, as you see there, it's, it's a language that only God can understand, okay? And, there's the, and, and understand what I'm saying. There, there are folks that have the gift of prophecy, and so they can, they can interpret. But when the Holy Spirit gets a hold of you and you start speaking in tongues, you have no idea what you're saying. And why, that, and why is that important as it relates to being able to come across challenges, okay? We'll use an example. Let's say you're planning on making a move. I was talking with someone the other day at work and they were saying, you know, they're gonna move they're looking to move out of the out of the city. Okay. I was, oh, okay. So you think about that, all right, just just the just the nature of moving, um, and what can go wrong with that. So if you have a house, you've got to think about selling the house. You've got to find a realtor, 
right? Somebody that you can trust. You got to figure out what the house is worth. Then you got to look at, okay, what kind of cleanup and everything do I have to do? Then you got to find an actual house. Then you got to think about moving expenses. Then you got to find a, a trusted mover. Then if, then you got to look at how much is that going to cost. Then you got to save up for a down payment. You got all of this stuff. <laughs> you you've got all of this stuff, and I know you guys are laughing. I wasn't even thinking of that. But you've got all of that that you that you're thinking about. Okay. Now let's say you sit down in front of God and you say, all right, Lord, here's what I've got, and you start praying for all these little things. An hour can go by, and you just spent the entire hour praying for something for you, and you haven't even prayed for anybody else. Okay? And what, is, what does Jesus say, or what, what does Scripture say? Well, you, you ask, but you don't, you, you don't have because you don't ask. And when you do ask, you ask amiss. Okay? So it's important for us in prayer to be able to pray for other, for other people, to be able to lift them up with, with challenges that, that are going on, not just praying for ourselves. So now, how does that tie in with tongues? Well, if, if the Spirit is getting a hold of you and it's telling you, here's what you need to pray, and then you start praying that, Guess what? You don't have to worry about the 15 million things that are on your list to be able to get ready to get a new house, move out of the city, and, and do all of those things. Also, on top of that, you could also be praying for somebody else that the Lord needs you to pray for. And on top of that, and, and if anybody says here that this has never happen, happened to them, you might want to run and watch for the lightning bolts because I think it's happened to all of us. But when you sit down and pray, there's times when other things start popping into your mind. Right? You start thinking about, oh, wait, I gotta pray for this, I gotta pray for that. And then you start thinking about that, the devil may throw something in there and say, oh yeah, and by the way, if you do that, that's gonna go wrong, and that's gonna go wrong, and that's gonna go wrong. And then, so now all of a sudden, you may just come in to pray about a car, and all of a sudden, now you're sitting there thinking about the fact that the local grocery store is going out of business in two years, and you're trying to figure out, where am I gonna go get groceries from? It has nothing to do with the car, but because you're, you're praying of yourself, all these other distractions start to come into, come into play. So by praying in tongues, there is no checklist that you have to go through. There is no worrying about whether or not you're, you're, you're hitting everything that, that needs to be prayed for. You're actually just praying, and God is telling you what to pray, and it's coming out, and whatever it was that he needed you to pray for is done in, is done in that moment. Okay. So you think about... An hour on you when it could be maybe 20 minutes on everything that God wants you to do. And then you tell me, what do you think? What do you think would probably be better? Probably better to pray for what God is asking you to pray for. That way you're not asking amiss. And when you don't ask amiss, then things are going to, things are going to come to pass. So if you don't have, um, you know, the, 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 the gift of being able to speak in tongues, I would highly, you know, recommend that you pray and ask God for that, for that gift. Um, because one thing I can tell you is, um, it's, it's, uh, it, Sometimes it'll just it'll just come out. You know, you, you can you can feel the. I don't know how to describe it. You can feel the spirit just getting a hold of you, and it it'll just come out. You know, and, and don't get worried about what it sounds like or anything like that. Because if you listen to that, I'll tell you, it'll you, you might feel a little strange. But don't worry about what it what it, what it sounds like. And some of us, you know, we're we're still shy about praying in tongues out loud. But you know, it, it's it's one of those things where you you just do it. And it's not about the sound it makes, just like make a joyful noise unto the Lord. It's not about the sound. It's about what's actually coming out. And God knows, God knows what's in your heart. So praying in tongues is a great way to be able to, to help deal with disappointment by not worrying about trying to cover every single 
topic of a, of a challenge that you're that you're going through. Because the reality of it is, even in that challenge, you may list you know fifty things that can go wrong. God may be looking at it and saying, fifty. That's not even scratching the surface on what can go wrong. <laughs> okay, there's a whole lot more to that little thing about you wanting a car that you have no idea about. You have no idea what I'm what I'm doing elsewhere around the world. So it's important to make sure. Um, that you're that you're careful um, in your in your prayers there, Amen. Um, let's see here, and the last few scriptures I want to go to are Philippians four. Philippians four. We're going to go into starting at verse one. Some familiar scriptures here. <clears throat> Philippians 4 verse 1. Therefore, my beloved and longed for brethren, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, beloved. Underline that. Stand fast in the Lord. I implore you, Euodia, uh, and I implore Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. And I urge you also, true companion, help these women who labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and the rest of my fellow workers, whose names are in the book of life. Verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Underline that. Double underline it. Highlight it. Circle it. Exclamation marks. Whatever you want to do. Um, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Verse 6, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Verse 8, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things, which you, the things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. Okay? A lot in there. Okay? But rejoice in the Lord always. Okay? doesn't matter what you have going on. And it may sound counterintuitive to tell God, thank you for this challenge that I have. Thank you for the fact that I've got $3 in my bank account in the beginning of the month. And I've got $800 worth of groceries that I need to pay for the remaining of the month. And I've got, you know, $20,000 in this and that and all of that. It, it seems counterintuitive to say, hey, Lord, thank you for that. But the reason you have to do that is because you've got to thank him because he's going to take you through it. Okay. You've been through something before, so being able to thank him and say, Lord, thank you for this, is that reminder that I know you're with me. You've delivered me in the past. You'll deliver me again. I don't care what it is, that, that, that what's, what's going on, but I know that you'll do it. Rejoicing, being anxious for nothing, praying, having peace, those are the things that helped you to not be... To not get yourself in a place of disappointment before you before you actually ever ever do anything, you know we we've got to get to a point as Christians as we stop looking at the situation, okay? Stop looking at it, giving it to God, and let Him and, and let Him deal with it. And so what I'll say in closing is what I would like for you guys to do um, over the course of the next couple of days is I want you to get a piece of paper.
Okay, because I think God is calling all of us on on uh, to do some some things that we we're probably have have never done before, and He's looking for us to follow Him blindly and wholeheartedly. So I want you to just take a piece of paper, and I want you to just in one sentence list every single challenge that God has ever that you've ever faced in your life, and underneath that, write what God has done to brought you through it. Okay. And keep that list. And then when you go and you pray tonight, I want you to bring that list to God and you say, All right, Lord, you've got an opening. You're, 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 you're hiring some Christians to, to do some work for you. So here's my resume. When do I start? Okay? And you do that and see what, and see what God can actually do for you and see what, God will do, see what God will do for you. Amen? All right, I hope this message has been a, been a blessing. And so let's prepare to honor God with our tithes and offerings.